0: with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon.
1: Praise the Lord. Amen. Appreciate the opportunity to preach at a men's discipleship. These are one of my favorite things about what we are. Hallelujah. And I believe God's going to help us tonight. Let's turn to the book of Nehemiah. And chapter 5. The book of Nehemiah in chapter 5. I was reading uh, about a uh, bill collection agency in London. And if you know anything about bill collection agencies, these are people that are hired to chase down and and get uh, uh, people that owe money to pay up. And uh, this particular agency was a little bit different. Its name, the name of the company, was Smelly Tramps Limited. (laughs) And the way they operated is they would send a foul-smelling vagabond to sit in the debtor's waiting room until he agreed to pay up. The company used a special stomach-churning chemical that they would anoint these vagabonds with. And it was so vile that when this man would come and sit in the waiting room, uh, it would be uninhabitable within 10 minutes. It was so so foul. And this company claimed a 90% success rate. Now, in the Bible days, they didn't have to be as creative, because in Bible days, if people were in debt and couldn't pay their debt, their wife and children could be sold into slavery, and they would be hauled off to jail. And today, we have a major problem in society, because debt like this is tolerated more. And the result is that there are people and families in bondage. And there are destinies that are hindered. There are men in this room tonight that your your destiny is is hindered and handcuffed because of the issue that I want to preach at. I want to minister to a sermon I've called Debtor's Prison. Out of Nehemiah chapter 5, let's read verse 3 through 6. There were also some who said, we have mortgaged our lands and vineyards and houses that we may buy grain because of the famine. There were also those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our lands and vineyards. Yet now, our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. And indeed, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have been brought into slavery. It is not in our power to redeem them for other men have our lands in vineyards, and I became very angry when I heard their outcry and these words, debtor's prison. I want to look first of all at unmanageable debt. There's a lot said in Western nations about national debt and budget deficits. The news uh, that's coming out now is record debts in the United States as a nation, and this is a result of spending more than you bring in. There's nothing uh, complicated about this. Whole economies are in question because of this. And what's interesting is that when God was forming the nation of Israel, he gave wisdom to them in Deuteronomy 15. He said, For the Lord your God blesses you as he promised you, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And you shall reign over many nations, and they shall not reign over you. So it's very interesting that God identifies this issue as ruling or being ruled. That when you begin to talk about debt that's excessive, now you're beginning to talk about an issue of dominion. And in our text, people have fallen into this trap and they're experiencing a loss of dominion in their lives because of what I want to call unmanageable debt. Now, I know that there are those in the church that believe that all debt is unbiblical. You know, the Apostle Paul said, Oh, no man, anything, as if somehow this was God's prohibition against ever taking out a loan. But that's really not what Paul was talking about. If you look at that scripture in context he's talking about our debt of love he literally says oh no man anything but to love one another and he's speaking there about every believer's debt to an unsaved world you know we owe it to our generation to preach the gospel Somebody loved us. Somebody cared about us. It started with Jesus and then from there to those who preached. And so Paul was there speaking that you you ought not to leave your debt of love and and your debt of of evangelism unpaid. And, and, And this was not a prohibition against ever borrowing money. There are things in life where most people would never own if they didn't finance them. Most people would never own a home without a mortgage and Uh, Most people are not able to buy a a late model car without a mortgage or, or financing. And the Bible doesn't so much forbid debt as a rule, but the Bible teaches some very powerful principles about the abuse of debt and borrowing. And the Bible calls it bondage. There are those that live beyond their means, their income. And this is prevalent in America. This is becoming more and more prevalent even in third world countries. Credit cards, financing a lifestyle they desire. People that have no business buying a home. They're not ready to buy a home, but they have to have a certain home. Or, or they have to drive a certain car because of the status or because of their ego. And, and what happens is, is people become in bondage and beyond their ability to repay. Proverbs says, and the borrower is servant to the lender. So here we have an issue of slavery and bondage. And what happens is in the kingdom of God, there is a loss of dominion. And there is an affliction and there is a torment. And what happens in its extreme forms is a forfeiture of blessing and destiny, and I want to tell you by the Spirit of God that this is one of the strategies of hell against the church and against the believer and against the disciple. The Bible uses the term usury. It literally means oppressive interest or compounding interest. And it was considered by God as a form of oppression, so much so that God did not allow one Jew to charge usury against another Jew. Literally, it means to cut or bite or pierce with the teeth. Adam Clark said, The increase of usury resembles the biting of a serpent, for this is so small as scarcely to be perceived at first, but the venom soon spreads and diffuses itself till it reaches the vitals. So the increase of usury, which is at first not perceived or felt, at length grows so much as by degrees to devour another's... Substance. So how does that work? Well, you walk into the furniture store. Here comes this friendly man. He's got a name tag, but he's friendly. He's like your best friend. It's amazing. And inside the store is all this beautiful furniture like your parents own. Never mind, it took them 35 years to get it. But here you are, and, and, uh, and, and you, don't have to, you don't have to pay for it. You can rent to own it's only $30 a month. And you can get your, your sofa set, you know, you can get your lounge, you can get a desk. Everybody needs a desk. And, and you know, you can get your, ref- and a washer and dryer and an entertainment center. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and it's only, so, and, and these people are so friendly. You know, never mind that first of all, it's all been marked up 3,000%. Secondly, if you look at the interest rate, by the time it's done, that couch you bought cost you (laughs) $18,000. I want to tell you something, friend. These people aren't nice because they like you. They're robbing you blind. Credit cards. The typical household in the USA has credit balances totaling $8,500 spread over 12 cards. That's the average. $8,500 that they're not paying every month. And this man figured if you pay 2% minimum on an $8,500 balance at 15% interest, it will take you 38 years, and it will cost you $22,000 to pay it off. P.T. Barnum says there's a sucker born every minute. And that's why they're flooding the mailboxes with these cards. Oh, it's 0% financing for a year. It's the hook. Are you listening to me? He also said money is an excellent servant, but a terrible master. And this is such a powerful principle in the, in the, in the Word of God in the New Testament God illustrates the need of mankind and redemption as a man hopelessly over their head in debt. And in Matthew 18, debtor's prison is a picture of going to hell. And can I tell you something, friend? There are few hells on earth like being over your head in debt. This is a torment. This is a bondage. And it is an affliction. I want to look secondly at the causes and effects of this. Because this is rooted in a character flaw. This tendency of human nature to allow itself to go into unmanageable debt is linked to the sin nature. Listen to these words. People seem to believe they have an inalienable right to be happy. I want what I want, and I want it now. No one wants to wait for anything. And for the most part, no one has to. Waiting is interpreted as pain. I want to give you a spiritual principle. And if you don't remember anything else I say tonight, I want you to write this down. And it goes like this. The delay of gratification is a spiritual issue. You need to write that down somewhere. Your willingness to delay the gratification of a desire that you have is a spiritual issue. Let me illustrate. Human sexuality. How many of you know God invented human intimacy and sexuality? God is not embarrassed by human sexuality. He, he thought of it. Okay? And it is healthy, and it is wonderful, and acceptable, and blessed by God in the context of marriage. The original sin wasn't Adam and Eve going to bed with each other, as the Catholics like to, to promote. No, I'm serious. People think God's embarrassed by human sexual. God is not embarrassed by human sexuality. God thought it up. Every good gift and every good thing is from above. We serve a good God. Can you say, maybe you stop and think about it. We serve a good God. And the ability for that to be a blessing is linked to the ability for a person to delay gratification. In other words, if you're a single young man... And your hormones are kicking in, you have some desires. You're you're battling some things and and uh, and uh, and and even in the best you know case scenario, you get rid of your television and put away the the internet garbage and and sanctify your mind, you're going to battle something. And your ability to, to delay gratification is a spiritual issue. It will it will it will be a factor in your life, it'll be a factor in your spirit. You have to say someday this will be okay, but not right now. Someday this will be healthy. Someday it will be acceptable. You know, I tell my young people that until you stand before me at the altar and I say you may kiss the bride, you may not kiss the bride. (laughs) Someday it will be okay, but right now it is not okay. And so you are going to have to put off the gratification of that appetite and that desire. And that is a profoundly spiritual issue. And that's the same way it is with materialism. There's nothing wrong with owning a home. There's nothing wrong with driving a car that starts every time you turn the key and you don't have to pray in tongues. <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's not, I mean, it's not, you know, you know, it, it, carnality incarnate or anything. There's nothing wrong with having you know furniture in your home when you can afford them amen but when you can't afford them then you have to say no like one child said to their mother whatever shall we do she said without but that's foreign that's foreign to our concept as americans Someday it'll be fine, but not now. Someday it'll be fine for you to have things, but if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. And the problem in America is you don't have to wait now. That's the problem. Because easy credit means you can borrow for what you want. And if you insist on going into debt and you insist on borrowing, to indulge every appetite and every desire. It's going to become a bondage, and it's going to become a sin. People receive checks in the mail from the friendly credit card company. It's right there, $5,000. All i got to do is sign on the line. It's like free money. Not reading the fine print exorbitant interest you know church Sunday morning there you are wife and the kids and preacher goes a little long you know and your stomach starts growling everybody else is going out to eat why the heck shouldn't I be able to go out to eat well you can't afford to go out to eat well I I got this card it's crying out to me and so is my stomach and I have an appetite are you with me? We're talking about human appetite. We're talking about desire. We're talking about the appeal of the flesh and the world. And, and, and the ability to delay gratification is a profound discipleship issue. So people fill their houses with appliances and furniture and clothes and all small monthly payments. So they're living beyond their means and their income. Somebody said, keeping up with the Joneses is buying things you don't need with money you don't have to compete with people you don't like. And I remember my first church in in Las Vegas, Nevada, and people there make scary money. And there was this young man in the church, he was, you know, maybe 25, 26 years old, and he was knocking down some serious money, man. But every every time, you know, once a month, once every other month, he'd come to me, pastor. Man, I pay my tithes, you know, and I I try to do what's right, but I I don't have enough money for groceries, and I'm like, you know, I'm a new pastor, and you know, I'm like trying to apologize for God. Oh, well, you know, man, it, you, know, you just be believe God, you know. And so, you know, the couple months later, pastor, I pay my tithes, man, and I didn't have money for medicine for my children, you know, and I I finally said. I said I said, how much do you make? And he told me, and my jaw hit the floor. <laughs> this guy made twice what I made. And I mean, we, we were doing okay, we, you know. And it dawned on me. The guy's brand new 4x4, four four, Felix symbol. <laughs> His beautiful new house in the burbs. All his furniture, all his clothes, all the indulgences of his family. And it dawned on me, if you live beyond your means, God is not obligated to fix that. You can pay your tithes, you can do all, I'm telling you friend, God will not honor that. You are expected to live within your means. And the result is bondage and trouble. I was fascinated uh, living in Kenya to, to find that Kenyans were struggling with this because in Kenya, these men get paid once a month. And they would buy their little needy things at a duka. It's like a, like a 7-Eleven to us, you know. But to them, it's just a little corrugated metal shack where they get their, their corn flour and their, their milk and their, their vegetables. And, and because they only get paid once a month, they all have accounts there. And so throughout the month, you know, mom would go and get her stuff, and she would be getting the needs of the family according to their appetites. And then the end of the month would come, and they'd owe way more than they can pay. So you know what they'd do? They would just move, up and move to another part of the slums, and open up credit at another dukkah. Oh, those Those heathens. I'm sure there isn't anybody in here that's ever turned their phone off and changed numbers because they owed more than they could pay. Well, there isn't anybody here that's, that's never skipped out on a landlord. It's getting quiet in here now. <laughs> isn't anybody here has got those student loans floating out there where they're looking for you? The Bible says the wicked borrow and do not pay back. It's wickedness. And what happens when this is at work in a family or in a man's life? It begins to destroy one of the fundamental blessings of life. Ecclesiastes says, There is nothing better for a man than he should eat and drink and he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This I saw was from the hand of God. Here's the writer of Hebrew or Ecclesiastes. He's, he's looking at life. He's looking for something good. And he's looking at wine, women, and song, and works, and education. He says, this is all empty, man. It's it's vacuous. There's nothing there. Vanity of vanity. He said, there's only one good thing in life. And that is when a man works. And at the end of the week, or when payday comes, he gets paid. And he's able to enjoy the fruit of his labor. You know, there's something about payday. You know what I'm talking about? A man walks different when he gets paid. You know, (laughs) just got paid today. Got me a pocket full of change. Bring it home. Here you go, baby. He feels like he's a man. He's 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 done something. He's you know he's 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 valid. But you know what happens when you're over your head in debt? Payday don't mean squat. It's just a reminder. It's just a fresh reminder that there's not enough. It's a fresh vexation. It's a fresh moment where you say, just don't answer the phone. Just just look in the caller ID. Because the wolf's at the door, man. And it takes away one of the fundamental joys that God has designed in life. And you know what? Worse than that, it can cripple and destroy your spiritual life. Matthew says, he that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word. And the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. This person is not out committing adultery. It just says that it's possible that the worries of life, paying the rent, you know, raising your children... The worries of life, the deceitfulness of riches can choke what God's doing in your life. Here's how it works. When you begin to get over your head, first your giving goes. That's the first thing that goes. And when pastor stands up to pledge for world evangelism, you can't pledge to world evangelism because you are pledged to visa for the rest of your life.
2: Hey there, Sermon Podcast listeners. This is Pastor Adam back with you again. Wanted to just take a second here to thank you once again for listening to this sermon podcast. We've had an explosive rate of growth and listenership for the past few weeks, and we hope that you appreciate these daily sermons to encourage you and help you. I just want to share a couple of ratings that we've gotten in the Apple Podcast application. Clint B. writes a five-star review. He said, I am so grateful for our fellowship. Thank you. This podcast, very helpful through the day. Uh, Bobby Sanford from North Carolina said, inspiring. Awesome to hear sermons that are encouraging and inspiring to the church. Uh, We could really use your help to add a couple more of these very helpful reviews. Uh, These do help us to get the word out about this podcast. I want you to know that we have a truly worldwide impact with this podcast from the United States to the UK, Australia, Ireland, Germany, New Zealand, South Africa, Netherlands, Canada, Romania, Afghanistan, Namibia. Vietnam, Switzerland, Kenya, India, Russia, Hong Kong, Ghana, Uganda, Guam, Meritus, Brazil, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Zambia, Japan, Jamaica, Malaysia, Israel, Ukraine, the list goes on and on. Of nations that are listening to these sermons. So we just want to say thank you for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you're sharing these when you hear a good one. And please, if you haven't done so already, make sure you leave a five-star rating and a review of what you like about this podcast. Thank you again for listening, and back to the rest of the sermon.
1: And what you've done is you have, you have now, or you are not planting. See, beloved, the debt, or the, the, the tithe is the debt that we owe. Giving is the seed that we sow. It is our giving beyond our tithe, beloved, that ensures our future. It's prophetic. what you give and what you sow in the free will offerings of life, beloved, is the harvest, and when you are so tied up that you can't participate, you are now destroying your future. And then from that the tithing goes, and as soon as that goes, it's over. It's over because the curse now kicks in. Not only are you not sowing seed, you have cursed your life. And now it's a downward spiral, friend. You can kiss it goodbye right there. Then they make stupid decisions like putting work before ministry, taking the second job. Are you listening to me? You're going to begin to, to kick aside the service of God and the local church. You're going, to begin, you're going to begin to miss church because you are so in debt. You have to do this. And then mom's got to go to work. And all the curses that are involved there. Are you listening to me? And the word of God gets choked out. And you lose it. And there is a big difference between being poor and broke. I've been broke. We've all been broke. But that's not the same as being poor. Being broke is the state of having little or no money at a given time. Being poor is a spiritual bondage. And people don't get out of it. Because they make wrong decisions. At the wrong time. The wrong people. And it's a self-reproducing prophecy of failure. Failure that keeps people in that place. Are you ready for point three? (laughs) Stick around long enough, there's always a point three. Setting the captive free. God has a design for our needs and our increase. Matthew 25 says, The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called to his own servants and delivered them his goods. He gave unto one five talents, another two, and another one. Every man, according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. This is about money. This is a parable that is profound in its implications. Beloved, if you'll get a hold of this, it'll change your life. God, in his wisdom, dispenses the wealth of the earth. And it says, when he came to his servants, he gave one a one-talent income, he gave another a two-talent income, And he gave another a five-talent income. Why? Because he's a bigot. Because life's not fair. Because of those rich people. No. That's not what it says. It says according to their ability. I love this part of the sermon. Do you feel that already? I love this. I mentioned this in, in conference you know some time ago, but it bears repeating, you know that the last two American cities that I've pastored in have an area of town they call Snob Hill. They have a snob Hill here? You know, Snob Hill is in most cities. you know why? Because human beings are jealous suckers. Just Snob Hill. That's where the rich people live. Snob Hill, you know. Easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. <laughs> Those rich people. Class envy. That's what that's called. Has yeah, it ever dawned on you? Can, can, can we talk for a minute here? Has ever dawned on you there's a reason why that human being can afford that house and drive that car? Well, you know, rich people born with a silver spoon in their mouth. No, well, well, maybe. But, you know, there's there's another explanation. Maybe. Now, I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe in high school, when you were in the men's room smoking joints, maybe he was in class paying attention. Is that possible? I know that's radical, but just maybe, just maybe. You remember the kid with the pocket protector with the seven pens? And you used to call him geek? And now you call him boss? Maybe when you got a job and you were a slacker... And all you ever did was think about how you could get away with hiding out in the closet or killing time or leaning on your broom, coming in late, having a funky attitude toward the boss. Maybe that guy was working hard. Oh, I love this part of the sermon. I love this. I live for this right here. Maybe he was coming in early. Maybe he was doing more than was expected of him. Oh, yeah, brown nose, man, brown nose. Okay, well, all right, you live in, you live in your broke-down trailer and be jealous of him. Because he worked hard, he was respectful and on time, and worked his way up through the company, and now he's the vice president. Is that... Is that possible? Oh, no, man. No, it's prejudice, man, is what it is. <laughs> No, because the Bible says that God is involved in this. God gave to one one, and another two, and another five, according to their ability. The God you serve has a lot to do with how much money you have. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. And I'm telling you, if you will get get the handle, this will change your life. This changed my life. When I, got, when I had to face this reality, it set me free. God does this. And you know what? He expects us to live within our means. Each one of these individuals had an opportunity. You know, this is the love of God. He knows better than to give five talents to a person that can't handle it. They would destroy themselves. Are you listening to me? And God is involved and he expected each of these people to take what he gave them. Everything belongs to God anyway. He is a gracious giving God and he says, I'm going to give this to you. I want you to steward this. Because those that were faithful, God gave more. And the Lord said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. The man that had two, he stewarded it. He prospered. He disciplined himself. He showed diligence and wisdom. And, and he profited and brought that to the master. And he said, well done. And he promoted him. The man with five, the same. The guy with one who resented his Lord. I, res- I know what you're like. You reap where you haven't sown. What he's saying is, I'm going to work my butt off, and then you're going to want some of it. Poverty, small-minded, covetous. And God says, you know what? That's just fine. Take the one from him and give it to the guy with 10. And in the one scripture, they said, Lord, he already has 10. That's right. And that's why I'm going to give him yours. Ooh. What a beautiful... You know, God is not a socialist. Are you listening to me? Socialism is an atheist-based, wicked, demonic counter-assault to the gospel and the word of God. It is not about a level playing field, and it's not about what's fair. What's fair is that you and I go to hell. And you either face this and own up to it, and begin to participate in God's economy and God's wisdom and hard work and diligence and the laws of creation or you spend the rest of your life feeling sorry for yourself in poverty. Talking about Snob Hill. Now, we're, not, we're not, you know, we're the will to be rich. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Are you listening to me? I'm not advocating some kind of, a, you know, TV gospel prosperity thing. I'm not, I'm not talking about that, friend. I am talking about the laws of creation and setting the captive free because prosperity and poverty are a spiritual condition prosperity comes with the ability to make right decisions at the right time with the it's a grace poverty is the inability and there must be repentance and deliverance and you can break the curse and we'll pray but you know what else there has to be some changes If you're going to get out of unmanageable debt, you're going to have to understand that it is indulgence that got you in. Only self-denial and discipline will get you out. And, And in my experience, there's times I've seen God bring miracle money to help people. But most of the time what I've seen is that God waits until that man changes his character. It is indulgence that gets you in. It's going to take an equal amount or greater amount of saying no to yourself and sacrifice. And it might take years. But you're going to have to say no. Artie Aragon was hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt when he got saved. You've heard me talk about Chris Hart and his debts, perhaps. Perhaps. And I want to tell you something, friend. you're going to have to make some decisions. Like the first time you can't pay your credit card off in full, you cut it in half. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? If you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, either he will hate the one and love the other. You're going to have to learn to live within your means. Really, you know what you need to do? You need to live below your means. That means you're going to have to live in the house you can afford. Well, how much house can I afford? About one quarter of your monthly salary is what you can afford. One week's pay for one month's rent. Some financial counselors will say up to a third in this generation. Do the math. That's what you can afford. Not what the other Bible study leader can afford, what you can afford. Not what your parents are living in, what you can afford. You drive the car you can afford. Maybe you can afford to get a late model car. If not, you keep the old rust bucket, man, and you just make it happen. Are you listening to me? You live below your means. You have a budget. A budget is not a four-letter word, count them. You find out what you have and what's left over. And guess what? Live below that so you leave room to give. Leave room to participate in God's wonderful economy. And enjoy what you have. Luke says, But rather give alms of such that you have, and behold, all things are clean unto you. See, the safety valve of of the goods of this world are that you tithe and you're liberal. If you will give, if you will obey God, then you can, then it's clean. It's it's, it's okay. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he adds no sorrow to it. The Old Testament says everyone that was in distress, everyone that was in debt, everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him and he became a captain over them and there were with him 400 men. This is David. And I must confess, as a pastor, I have felt like David. Seems like people that get saved and come to church are everyone that are in distress, everyone that are in debt, and everyone that are discontented, and I become a captain over them. But the good news, if you read on, is David, by the grace of God, was able to transform these 400 men into the greatest army that Israel ever saw. You know what that means? There's hope in here. There's hope for you. If you will begin to do what God wants you to do in your life, if you'll begin to deal with the character flaws, if you'll begin to rein this in, put yourself on the path of recovery, God can transform you into a soldier for, for the kingdom. God will use you. You can be a mighty man. You can be a mighty man of valor. You can have a destiny. But you're going to have to stop the bleed. It means repentance. And I believe God wants to help people in this place tonight. The church is not perfect. It is filled with distressed, indebted, discontented people and worse. But God wants to transform this army right here into a last days fighting force. God knows what he's doing, friend. He saves the best for last. And the church is to go out with a bang, friend. But this is the snare of hell, friend. This is one of the strategies of hell. It is rooted in mammon. It targets the self-will. And its aim is to, is to neuter the power of God that is at work in men. These are the same men that had character flaws and God used them. Pastor Aragon has a powerful testimony of how he started paying his debts, making minimum wage. You've heard me talk about Chris Hart and how he began to pay his debts, and God began to pour out his spirit on him and bless him. And it took years. I remember sitting across the desk, they had a ledger that said, Out or die. And they were weeping, and I was weeping, and and it took it took a couple years, and I remember him saying, Pastor, why does this hurt so much? And I said, because, Chris, I, I, I think God just wants to make sure you never do this again. And When he began to change the character flaw that got him there, God began to pour out his spirit. He actually had three mobile homes given to him. I don't have time to go into full detail. But the minute he, he began to change this, and, and, and God began to help him in miraculous power, And all of a sudden, heaven opened over this man. And God began to provide finances and blessing and grace because this man was willing to press in for destiny. God wants to help us. God wants to help some men in here that have made mistakes. If you'll deal with the areas of your heart that caused this to happen, make some decisions, he can transform you and get you out of debtor's prison. Let's bow our head before the Lord. Heads your bowed, eyes are closed. Christians are praying. Nobody's moving around for just a moment. There's a parable in the Word of God about a man hopelessly in debt. figured it out one time, $400 million in debt. The Master forgave it. Jesus illustrated that as our debt of sin and how Jesus came and paid the debt for us, shed his blood on the cross. Friend, you and I are hopelessly over our head in debt to God the wages of sin is death there's no way we spend eternity in hell we'd never pay it back but Jesus Christ died on the cross for us and rose from the dead and he's alive and I wonder how many would say pastor you know I'm not right with God but I'd like to be there's sin in my life I'm not clean I'm not ready to stand before a holy God but I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead and I want to get right with God you lift your hand thank you for that hand. How many more would join? Quickly, just hold it up. We're not going to embarrass you. Thank you for that hand. Somebody's going to pray with you. How many more honest hearts? Say, Pastor, I'm not right. I I came tonight, but honestly, I'm not right. I want to get saved. I want to repent. Lift your hand quickly and join these honest hearts. How many would there be? Yes, thank you for that hand. Honest hearts. How many more? Lift your hands. There's grace here tonight. There's deliverance. How many more? Lift your hands all over this place. God wants to help you. Maybe you're a backslider. Say, Pastor, I've been saved. i backslid, and tonight the Holy Ghost has found me out, and I'm going to come clean. Lift your hand and join these men. How many more? Quickly. Hallelujah. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. These that lifted their hands. I want you to look at me. You mean that? I believe you did. Over here. Do you mean that? Where's the other? You mean that? There's another one over here. Do you mean that? I want you to stand up and come quickly. Slip out. Somebody's going to meet you here. Over here. You lifted your hand. Where are you? Come on. If that's you, come on. Stand up and come. Yeah, come on. Yeah, thank God. There you are. I need three men to come quickly. Just kneel down right here. I need some disciples to come pray with these guys. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. I want to change the appeal. I want to talk very specifically to the issue of unmanageable debt. And in my experience as a pastor, there are times when I've seen God sovereignly bail people out. But the pattern... And, and, and nine times out of ten, that doesn't happen because if God bails you out supernaturally and you don't change your character, you'll be right back. Mike Tyson has made $20 million. For, I, what is it? $400 million in the last 20? I can't remember. 400 million, $400 million. And he's bankrupt. Because it's a character flaw not how much you have, friend. It's your ability to delay gratification. It's your ability to say no to your flesh. It's your ability to to exercise disciplines and to have an ability and a skill in God's economy and faith. And there's people in here, you need deliverance. And we're gonna pray, but there's other people in here, you need repentance you're going to have to make some decisions. And proportionate to your indulgence, you're going to have to sacrifice. And you're going to have to alter some things because your destiny is at stake. And God wants to help some men. I want to tell you, God, I've seen God help people. I have seen God help disciples and families break this, this, this shackle and go on to destiny. I've seen God in third world countries Powerfully set people free and see them go to destiny this is one of the gates of hell and God wants to help some men tonight let's all stand these altars are open why don't you come we're going to pray tonight and I want you to get serious with God I don't, I don't want you to just come up here and, and make your appearance I want you to make some decisions you know exactly who you are you know exactly what needs to be done this is going to require sitting down with your wife. This is going to require some decisions. You might have to move. You might have to, you might have to d- divest. But you're going to change some things. And you're going to make some decisions. Give them all. Give them all to Jesus. Stretch your hands toward these men. Let's remain in an attitude of worship for a moment. Because God wants to break through. Let's sing that. Give them all.
0: to love people.